Um, it's a thousand degrees here. I have what is possibly a cold, but what I'm pretty sure is allergy to my entire life. And if I sound like hoarse and sexy, it's because it's not because I've been screaming. It's because of the Dacians. Wait, is it Dacians? How do you pronounce it? Dacians, sure, fine. I mean, that's how I pronounce it. So my way is canon. Did Petkoff do these two? He did the first one. But, you know, the second one was self-published. I know, by Valkyrie Press. So there's no audio for it. Which is a real bummer. Because it would be fun to have mail mail in audio audio with Petkoff. Petkoff. Sure. I wonder, yeah, and it makes me wonder what will happen with Monroe. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Cressley and Petkoff will have to... Figure it out. Yeah, have some emailing. (laughs) Sarah. Jennifer. uh, I think this is going to be the first episode ever where we radically disagree on a book. Where we radically (laughs) disagree on a book. So here's the thing, though. I have never read this first book. So, okay, I've read... uh, Welcome to Faded Mates, everyone. (laughs) Unfaded Mates... Miss Fated Mates. Yeah, Fated, not so much Mated Fates. Miss Mated Fates. Um, Yeah, if you don't know by now, we are a podcast about romance novels. (laughs) I'm Sarah McLean. I write them, and I read them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, and I read them and critique them. Uh, So, welcome, welcome. We are... Uh, X number of books deep in our Cressley Cole extravaganza, which is season one. We are two episodes, two uh, formal episodes away from the end of season one. Yeah. Which is, I mean, who even Bananas. knew we would end up being friends at the beginning of this? And here we are. And here we are, mated fates. Um, <laughs> and so here's the deal, you guys. We've been sort of bouncing around. We did the Game Makers series. We're doing things in the order in which they were published mostly and this week I'm I'm realizing I'm breathing very heavily so forgive (laughs) me everyone the heavy breathing is also part of whatever's going wrong with my body um but um this week we are we're doing the Dacians together together at last Shadows Claim and Shadows Seduction Shadows Claim was a spinoff book in the Dacian series published by Simon & Schuster Shadow Seduction was a second in that series, a companion book in that series that is um, that was self-published by Cressley. And uh, I have read Shadow Seduction before and enjoyed it. I have never read Shadow's Claim. So this is my and I w- And I was the opposite. I had read Shadow's Claim and did not love it. Mm-hmm. And had not read Shadow Seduction, I think because at that point, I don't actually know why I didn't read it, to be honest with you. Well, actually, I lie. It's because I fucking hated Shadow's Claim. And therefore, was like, I don't want to read about Caspian the Tracker, the whiner. Okay. I rejected the book because I didn't like him. <laughs> All right. So, Whole Hog, you, didn't, you, didn't, you are not pro Dacian. Um, you know what? It has nothing. Actually, I like Trahan just fine. <laughs> Mercio oh, seems okay. You are not I pro the mates yeah. of the Dacians. Okay, I will agree with you on Caspian. What a whiny bitch. 
Well, I have so many feelings. Okay, wait. Before we go further, can you and I, how are we going to do this exactly? Do you want to talk about book one and then book two? Or do you want to talk about characters? I mean, I think that's fine. Let's talk. Let's just okay. do a quick overview of book one and then a quick overview of book two. I will do book one because I just read it for the first time. You do book two because you just read it for the first time. Um, Okay, so book one, Shadows, Sadak, no, Claim. Claim. Shadows Claim. Um, I was actually really grateful for this because if you remember when we did Dark Sky, I was like, who the fuck is this lady, yes. this sorceress lady? What is happening? I don't understand the entire B-plot of this book, and I don't <laughs> care. And now I understand the entire B-plot of Dark Sky. Um, yeah. Spoiler, you guys, do not enter the IAD universe at Dark Sky because <laughs> you won't no. know what the hell's happening. Arguably... You shouldn't read Dark Sky unless you've read the Dacian books because um, the story of Shadow's Claim is the story of the sort of tourney, the tournament of suitors who come to fight to the death to claim, come to fight to the death to claim marriage to Bettina, who is the the heir to the throne of this uh abaddon abaddon this uh demon realm bettina is half sorceress she was queen of hearts which means she can stop hearts if uh if she you know wants to um she's half sorceress and half demon and um she is attacked brutally at the very beginning of this book like always with cressley her attack is not really on the page the way that often uh, Cressley puts the attacks and puts um, assault of men on the page in a way she doesn't with women. That's the case here. But the book begins with Bettina being in the mortal world in on Earth uh, being attacked. And then she's summoned home. There's a summoning crystal or a summoning charm that um, she summoned home, you know, bleeding and broken, and she is forced, she's asked, you know, she has to heal. It takes 60 days for her to heal. And then um, at the end of this healing, there is a tournament of uh, eligible and frankly ineligible bachelors um, (laughs) who want to claim her and with, through her, the throne. Um, Right. It's written into the book that there's, this is a really archaic practice that's that hasn't been done for generations at Abaddon but like now her uncle is just beyond furious that Reckoners have come for her and stolen her sorcery powers and he wants her to have a strong mate to protect her and that mate is uh, a Dacian who is on the hunt for her best friend slash the boy she's always thought she would end up with um, and he is an assassin. He's an assassin who can turn. I like the Dacians, honestly. Yeah. I like that they, were they can fine. turn themselves into mist. I like that they're secreted away. I like that we get more Lothair watch when we're with them. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. That was actually the best part of the book for yeah. me was Lothair showing up again at the end. Exactly. Yeah. So this um, assassin turns up in this demon realm looking for Bettina's best friend, And he is immediately blooded by her, which is, as you all know, my favorite thing. And that's what I'll say about all that. Jen does not like this book. I don't like this book. And I, you know what, I, I, reading it again, I was really like interrogating that. Like, what don't I like about it? Do I still not like it? 
And I would say I just still don't like it. I think there's a couple things that are like really easy to pinpoint as why there it's just never was going to be my book. One of which is I um, I don't really enjoy a love triangle and an adult romance. Um, I think they're really common in YA, and I think they serve a really important function in YA, which is in YA the well in YA it's often a girl deciding between two boys, so it has that similar setup. But often those two boys are so different that really what she's trying to decide to do is like what kind of person does she want to be, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's really clear that these are not just like, you know, love interest choices. These are like moral choices, right? Mm -hmm. Who am I going to be? And I think that that's like really important in YA because YA is a lot about like identity development. Right. right. So in a YA romance, I am like do not care about love triangles. But, like it's fine. So okay. So okay, counterpoint. Um <laughs> this so first of all, I would argue very I would not call this a love triangle. I would call this Bettina trying to get her shit together. Um I did not come at this as a love triangle. I did not come at this as I know you don't care for Bettina either. Um, and that's spoiler, you guys, Jen doesn't like Patina. Um, but one of the things that I think that I kept coming back to is this idea that like Bettina is somebody on Twitter or Instagram or in comments corrected me. Um, and the last about Josie, Josie's not our youngest heroine. Bettina is. Mm, and yeah. she is so young that there almost is a kind of YA moment in this book for her where so prior there's sort of like. There's that in Eloisa James's first first romance novel, which now of course I can't remember the name of. It's like Potent Pleasures or something like that. Um, the beginning of the book is something like, uh, you know, the heroine knew like heroine's name. Like let's I don't know. Let's call her Jen. Jen knew from the moment you know, Jen. It was it was at that moment when like her whole life fell apart, like two halves of a child's ball. Right. And it would it was like she would always know like there was a before that and an after that. And for Bettina, I really like fucked that up. Poor Eloisa James. Like that. It's a great line. It's actually a really great first line in a romance novel. And we'll put it in show notes. Um, but the um, <clears throat> Bettina has this life event, this traumatic experience where like everything she was prior to that is one thing. And she's a completely different person after that. And this traumatic experience, like prior to that, she had she was living this kind of like fun life, going to concerts, like basically like she gets attacked at pretty much like Coachella. <coughs> and like she has this really interesting life where she's allowed to sort of be free and explore her sorcery side. And she's allowed to like put on, you know, slinky clothing and like live her life as a 20 year old. And it's awesome. And then she gets attacked by Reckoners. And then she has her power stolen from her, which is like, I mean, not even, it's barely a metaphor. It's rape, right? And then, you know, by a group of Reckoners. And then she gets back to her home. And she has to go through this sort of very traumatic healing process and sort of deal with the fact that she feels dead inside, both because she's lost her power and because she's lost her power, right, as a woman. And, like, her safety, like, there is power in a knowledge, in, in knowledge of safety. And then 
she realizes, so she sort of turns to this boy who she's loved her whole life because they were raised together, brother and sister, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And she says, well, he's safe, so I'm going to mate him. And, like, it's Percy, obviously, in in her mind, she's like, "Where I love him, I've loved him my whole life, it's right. a love match, we're fated mates. But at the same time, like, it's so clear that he's not, there's no way these two are getting together. And that's why yeah. it doesn't feel like a love triangle to me. That's a long way for me to say. I don't feel like it's a love triangle because I feel like a good love triangle, first of all, I think in the hand, like in Cressley's hands, and what I'm told is that in the Arcana Chronicles, there really is a love triangle. Yes, I hear, I've heard that as well. But I feel like a, de- a really great love triangle leaves the reader sort of saying, well, like, it could be either of them, depending upon her choice. The reader yeah. in this book does not ever think Caspian's on the table. Sure. But I think that's why it was actually really a problem for me, because... I, and you know what, like, all those things you said are true. And I still found her, I don't want to say this because I feel like it makes me sound like a bitch, but I didn't care. Like, I didn't care. Like, I just wanted her to be better. You are a bitch. (laughs) I know, and that's fine. You know what, and I think part of it is, there were all these times where she was like, like, I just felt like, um, I really struggled with the way that she like would get her way and then still not be happy because those are the types of people I struggle with most in real life. That's right. Like, like Caspian, I just want you to enter because then you're going to win me. And then he enters and she's like, Oh shit. Now you're going to kill my boyfriend. And then she like begs and begs (laughs) and begs him. Like, just don't kill Caspian. And he says, okay, I've come up with a way for you to save him. And she's like, Oh no, but now he's not going to like it. And I just really, okay. That that was that really hard for me. Right. And, and in the part where he like, you know, he cloaks them in mist and he like makes her come for the first time. And it's this, like moment between them and then like Caspian appears and like and she's like oh Cass and I was like I don't like you right now because I don't like how I didn't like how she felt selfish yeah I mean look I'm not going to deny that there is a certain level of selfishness to Bettina but I did not have the same visceral reaction as you did because I was sort of like well She deserves to be selfish. Like, fucking terrible things have happened to this girl. And on top of it, like, now this whole tournament of crazy weirdos. I mean, like, like, trolls and demons and primordials and, like, all sorts of people who, like, you would not ever want to meet in a dark alley are competing to marry her. Like, she's basically a pawn in this disgusting game. Yeah, I think that was enough. And this is like not Bettina's fault, but I am, I'm not interested. Okay, let me tell you what I think Cressley was trying to explore because Cressley, we've talked about her core story is like strong women who stay strong and get the right mate for them, right? Bettina is a real departure from that. She's not strong. She doesn't feel strong herself. She really struggles with, I mean, right, like all that stuff. I don't think there's like anything wrong with that. But I think what Cressley was trying to do then was like, okay, well, what can her strength be is like creation, right? Like, so she's like a maker. But I honestly feel like it, that wasn't even honestly all that compelling to me either. And so I think like whatever 
Cressley was like trying to do with Bettina to create a different type of heroin in IAD just mm. like didn't really work for me. Yeah, it's interesting because I actually I think that there's something I mean, I think Bettina's a real survivor. Like there's something like it's but it's survival. Bettina's a survivor 3 months after the attack. Like Right. In 25 years, you know, or 10 years, Bettina's going to be a different kind of person. But, like, I actually think that what, what Cressley's doing here is sort of showing the the nation, the na- like, the sort of birth moment of a, a Cressley Cole heroine. Like, we don't get to see her other heroines in the moment of their trauma, right? Like, we hear the Valkyries right. look back on the past and we say, you know, you hear, like, Lucia look back or Regan look back and say, right. I tried to save them and I couldn't, right? Yeah. And you sort of feel the trauma in that moment, but they seem grown up in a way that Bettina isn't. And maybe that's the point. Like, maybe Cressley is writing YA. She's writing Arcana by now, right? Yeah. And so maybe. she's sort of, like, exploring this kind of, like, new adulty kind of moment. And I don't know. Whether or not it works is very much up for up for debate. But I don't think – I think you're right that she's not looking to build the same – like, this is not a Cressley Cole heroine fully formed. This yeah. is a, a Cressley Cole heroine, like, in puberty, which she literally is. Sure. I think the problem is, is that this is a Cressley Cole hero. And therefore, that, like, mismatch ah, yes. feels really Sure, he um, feels dramatic, real old. Right? Like yeah, it, he does. He fe- It's really interesting because it's a very, like, va- it's, it's interesting that he's a vampire. Like, it feels very, like, ancient paranormal match. Oh, yeah. Like... Yeah. <coughs> but Which, not old the way Lothair feels old. Right. And not old the way Rune feels old. Right? Just fucking old. <laughs> and I liked Trehan. I did. I just feel yeah, like, I, really like I think too. that's it. Like, if you really change the type of heroin you're producing, then the then I think it's, like, an interesting question. Yeah. Like, you know, how are you going to put these in, in parody? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot going on here because Trehan is a much softer, for all his, like, brute force and he's an assassin he's a much softer hero than the other heroes in that you know there's okay so here we got to it we got to the place that jen has been talking about for you know since we started (laughs) the lost limb count right we got to a bag full of severed heads and i mean i knew it was coming because i knew there was a bag of severed heads in this book right so um i knew what was inside the burlap sack um but it was really, really interesting because one of the moments in the book that I marked was Cressley's choice to put the moment that Bettina receives the bag of heads, the tribute, right, in Trehan's point of view. Yeah. Right? So um, – and he thinks – so the the setup is here are, there are these, like, four finalists or six finalists, mm-hmm. six finalists, and they each have to choose a gift for Bettina, and she's going to open it up and choose the three she loves the best. And she won't know. She won't know who gave her what, um, although she does. Of course. Um, she knows who gave her two of them. But the um, – right. so she won't know who gave her what, and she'll have to be honest and choose the three she likes the best. And those three advance to the finals, and the other three immediately are beheaded. Um, there's a lo- <laughs> there are a lot of lost heads in this book. 
uh, yeah. the lost limb count just got pretty I big. couldn't even, at one point, it's just going to be like heads. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's just right. going to be heads. So it's interesting, right? Because there's, so um, Trahan gives her the heads of her enemies. Literally. Like, yeah. the four or five or six, um, he, he dreams her memories. He sees the faces of her attackers. Mm-hmm. He goes to Sky Hall and beheads her enemies and brings the heads to her as a tribute. And she doesn't know the gift is from him, although of course it is. And he's watching her open the gifts and she's getting like matched horses and carriages full of gold and like all sorts of dead mouse tickets. <laughs> and then he thinks to himself, I wish I had a chance to explain the gift to her. Yeah. Before. Right. And it was a moment where I I stuttered as a reader because that is not a thing a Cressley Cole hero thinks. Would think. Yeah. Right. Like, Lothair delivers you a bag of the heads of your enemies and never says a fucking word otherwise. Oh, yeah. Like, he's of like, course. you either get it or you don't. And if you don't, you're not for me. Like, yeah. Let this be done now. Um, right. And Trehan does not have that. Like, he's so remarkably attuned. And this is partially, again, I think this is what um, this is what Cressley is doing with Day- with the Dacians in general. Because you see it again in Shadow's Seduction. The Trehan is so attuned to Bettina's emotional state. Like, he oh, understands yeah. she's getting, she has, a, like, for a heartbeat, he thinks, like, oh, She's being sneaky outside in the dark. and But it's just a heartbeat. And then he's like, no, she's terrified. Like, he understands, so he cloaks her in mist and takes her somewhere. Like, he's such a protector. But if you don't, if you're not invested in Bettina being protected, I can see how this whole book would just not work. When I when I say she's not a Cressley heroine, the other thing that I, like, really struggled with, and again, this is not her fault, but she is really sidelined through this whole entire book, right? Like she sits in the stands and watch watches people fight for her. And she can't leave because she's got this summoning charm. And she, you know, everyone's like watching her every move. Yes. And she is afraid, because, like rightfully so, because of what happened to her. Yeah. The Reckoners. No, I'm with you. I mean, she has the access to, she's a clear, she's a gold, master goldsmith who makes weapons at no point are these weapons used. Um, Cressley puts a lot of guns on the table in this book that don't actually get right. fired. Yeah, Bettina never and and, and I no, like, I mean I, I thought you know when I she, get it, but I just was bored. Yeah, I mean I get it. There's a, um, you know the setup to the thing is that there's this primordial demon or primordial. What is he? A god? What is girl of? Well, this is when you read Wicked Abyss again, right? It's 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 his it's Sian's brother. Gerlov is Sian's oh brother. Oh my god. So Sarah, like this doesn't just change Dark Sky, this changes Wicked Abyss for you too. Oh my way. god, I didn't even see Right? It's a revelatory. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so there's this so there okay, well, King of Hell. I didn't even know that. Primordial I knew he was a primordial and I was like, Well, who's this primordial just hanging out here? Now it all makes yeah. sense. So yeah. um the primordial a demon there's a primordial demon who gets put into the ring here and the whole thing is like if one drop of his blood hits the earth he 
uh, that becomes a monster. Like, so he's basically like uncurable. Yeah. Right. And she, of course, is queen of hearts. And she's ba- and when she says I was queen of hearts, I was like, what does that mean? Was she cupid? Yeah. Like, what, what could she do? Right. And what she could do was stop someone's heart like at will. Right. Yeah. And so I thought to myself, this is a classic case of, you know, again, the first time I've read this book. So it, there was also some joy. in. I will say this. There was some joy. In sure. That. Like, of course, when one of your favorite writers, when you access and when you right. get to read a new book by them, like there is joy in that. So, of course. So I'm reading it and I'm like, OK, well, so the way Cressley's going to net this, like sort this out is Bettina's going to get her powers back and she's going to stop Gorlov's heart. Yes. Well, that's not how that goes at all. No, no. And I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, Bettina doesn't really do anything until the end when Trahan, rightly so, says, um, well, fuck you. It's him or it's it's him or yeah. me. I reject she, you. It's actually she can't choose. And that, <coughs> I mean, it was, I mean, even at that point. Right. Like, I, I think I think the other thing I would say, I think, is, um like didn't quite work for me is and I would be interested in unpacking this is through several books what we've been told is that when the reckoners steal a root power from a sorcerer it's like stealing their soul yep right and yet when Bettina's power is restored it she doesn't actually change and I struggled with that. Like, someone took your soul from you, and now it's back, and you aren't different? Yeah. I mean, I mean okay. Yeah. But, it's, yeah, I mean, the biggest problem, I, the end of this book is a real problem. I mean, like, <laughs> right. it, I mean, it just is, because she stops Trahan's heart. Yes. And, and it feels like a real fucking betrayal. Because it and is. she's still choosing Caspian. You know, it's yes. hard, right? Like, I wrote a book called A Rogue by Any Other Name. And it is a similar setup where there are three characters, although they were all friends when they were children. They all knew each other. But the heroine is basically like, if you kill my best or if you hurt harm my best friend, um, I'll never love you. And yeah. so it is sort of like a catch-22 because the only way the hero can get revenge, uh, it's actually, it's a very sort of, it's a very similar setup now that I'm saying it out loud. <clears throat> the only way the hero can get revenge is by harming the heroine's yeah. closest friend. And so you just can't, like, there's no scenario where that that can play out without the heroine being involved. Right. Like the heroine I, has to get involved. Sure. And I think one of the things I, I, like when I, like this second time around, right, I was like, what would I have needed to like make this a little more palatable maybe? And one of the things I kept thinking was I needed her to say to Caspian, if you hurt Trahan, <laughs> it's going to hurt me. And mm. she never does that. Right? Like, it's Well, it's she always... never does because she doesn't believe Caspian will win. I mean, yeah. like, there is a certain love. I th- I have that thought, too. And then I was like, yeah. oh, no. Like, what Cressley's doing here is basically setting it up where Bettina has to protect Caspian because there's no yeah. way Caspian beats Trayon. Like, he's be, a yeah. millennia old, right? Sure. Or a millennium old. 
and he's an, a professional assassin who can turn to mist. And Caspian yeah. is a 26 year old sure. rage demon or death yeah. demon, right? By the time we get to the next book, then Caspian, it's interesting because Cressley finds a really clever way of aging Caspian up. Yeah, well, I well when we get there, which we're is talk a little bit it. of a cheat, and we'll talk. Oh, uh, it's that. a big one. I didn't. Well, and we'll talk about why I. It's clever, but we'll talk about why, like emotionally, I didn't really like it. But I think it's complicated. Here's the other. Can I talk about one other thing that I thought was like surprise? Surprisingly, they like did not work for me at all. If you've listened, gosh, to the I'm podcast, so surprised. I know. If you listen to the podcast, you know that like I generally am a person who kind of digs like oh like the hint of exhibitionism. But there's a ton of it in this book, and I found all of it really gross because it's her little, um, like, phantom friend, Salem, who is constantly watching her without her permission. And then it's Trahan's, like, cousins who watch without their permission. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's not sexy exhibitionism. Sexy exhibitionism is when people are doing it on purpose. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were talking about um, when he fingers her under the table in his mist. Yeah, but that's that he does do that, right? And it's all hidden. But then later on, when his cousins come, it's clear that they were able to see through the mist. They were watching. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ew, that's gross. <laughs> right? I don't know. It's fine. What, you know, what did work for me? Um, I. I thought the, um, I liked Trahan a lot. I liked all the infighting with Stelian and Mm -hmm. Victor and Mercy. You know what I mean? I liked all that, all the Dacian. I loved Ellie and Lothair showing up again at the end. It wasn't like a joyless read for me. Yeah. I liked the look into the Dacians. I was really interested. I marked a couple of places where I was like, what's happening here? For example, the Lyke in the tournament is Clearly being run by the warlocks. Yes, who we're going to see in Monroe. But then yes. the Lyke says brother and then dies. And I'm like, who the fuck what? is that? Yeah. Like, right. Well, when I read that, it was like this moment of human clarity, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, who? Yeah, I was really interested in the, the, those. You know what I thought it was? Tell me. I thought it was Monroe. Original. I thought Cressley was putting something on the page so that mm. if she wanted to kill Monroe off, she could have. Interesting. Yeah. But he was clearly a just turned like a, so it couldn't have been, it had to be a human that was missing. Right? What do you mean it had to be a human? So it was a human who had been turned into a like a no, by the warlocks. No, wasn't it a like a who had lost his? I don't think so. I think it was a, hu- the, remember the warlocks are taking humans and turning them into like a, mm. like we, right? We saw that at the end right, of, right, at that, yeah, yeah, right? So I think that these are the same warlocks who are... Yeah, I mean, there definitely, yeah. there's something going on there. Oh, yeah. Um, Nyx is in the stands a lot. There's a phoenix. And then I did have a moment, somebody and somebody on, somebody out there who listens to us will be able to tell us, and please do tell us. There is apparently a book, um, there is a crossover situation between Gina Showalter's Lords of the Underworld, I think is what it's called, and this. And I did have a moment where I was like, is this the book where there is a crossover character? Oh, yeah. And I don't know either. Um, And who that might have been. So if this is the book, first of all, tell us what that book is, because I don't think we've come to it yet. Um, And, or I mean, if we have, it's been so seamless that I didn't notice. Um, And if it's this one, let us know. 
I'll tell you, I don't want to just say that I hated this book because I will tell you a scene that I thought was really powerful. And and I think it's like one of the reasons I really liked Trahan so much, which is when he takes her out to the folly. Oh, I love and that she's scene. really afraid, right? Mm-hmm. She's really afraid to like enjoy this place that was hers. And he encourages her to be brave and to trust herself in a way that like it's not like he pushes her you know it's not like he pushes her off a cliff and she has to do it right like he really is like you can do this and I did think that that was pretty awesome because I do think that it's like evidence of him being a very different kind of IAD hero but He's he, so gentle. He's yes. so gentle. And I love, yes. you know, I mean, coming off of writing, probably my most gentle hero, ironically. Yeah. I mean, like, I just wrote a hero who just, like, he's so, he's so competently able to just destroy people if he needs to. But he's so deeply protective and gentle of the heroine. And there's something really lovely about that. I mean, yeah. I look the difference between I think I look I think this book works for you if you like Bettina and if you uh, feel an affinity toward Bettina and I think it doesn't work at all if you don't like I think Bettina the whole book hinges on Bettina yes I agree I agree I agree and I I think I mean I'm with you she's not a Valkyrie right she does not and she's not even the anything like the other sorcerer we've met no Right. Um, you know, who have been, look, you love a heroine who's in a corner. She is in a corner, but you never really get the sense that she might not be. Yeah. Or well, rather that she won't, I'm rather, you never really get the sense that she is stuck in that corner. She's not backed into a corner. She's hiding in one. That's the difference. Yeah. Right. And again, I, I you make a very good case for like, why we should be sympathetic to her. I don't want to sound like an asshole, right? Like, I get I don't think anybody thinks you're right? sounding like an asshole. Yeah. I, I mean, just, I do think yeah. that this is a... I think this is a really interesting... She is young. Like... Yeah. I oh, yeah. think this is, like, paranormal new adult. Yeah, like, I think so. She's figuring her shit out. Yeah. And, and... And Caspian is safe, and, like, Trahan is really not... Yeah. I mean, we also haven't talked about the fact that, I mean, look, stakes are not very high in this book. That's another right. piece of this. Like, usually yes, I something thought about this massive is on the table. In this particular book, like, Trahan decides kind of without hesitation that he's never going back to Dacia. Yeah. And there's never going to be any doubt that it's going to be him and Caspian in the final round. Like, no, there's no real... Even with Gurlov in the picture, there's no real tension there. I didn't think so. I didn't think. No, I mean, stakes are interesting because also you sort of know what's happening. And it's the timeline is such that they don't know where Lothair is. Like right. at the beginning, Lothair hasn't returned to the throne. And then Lothair and Ellie return to the throne over the course of the book. So you as the reader, if you've come to this series with Lothair knowledge, you know, like, no way is Ellie letting Lothair, like, block Trahan from ever returning to Daisy. Like, there's right, just, right. there's just no way you really, there's a lot that this, this book really feels a little bit like a Christmas novella. Yeah, it does. It does. In fact, it does. and that's, 
maybe this is a good time for us to move into Shadow's uh, seduction because that really does feel like a Christmas novella to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it, even though the, the relationship between Mercio and Caspian is settled, it essentially ends on a cliffhanger, right? It's a, like, what happened to um, Cosmina, right? Like, right. Mercio's sister is missing at the end of it. And it's literally, the ending is like, we're going to go out and, and search for her. And now to confirm, we don't have any more books, right? No, although I think she has said her intention is to write one more shadows, whatever, for Cosmina. For, for, for Cosmina. Yeah. Although, who knows? I mean, that was probably years ago, right? So who knows if that's No, but on this the... is, there are only two. I'm not way behind. No, I mean, no, I have, these two. I have, I am known for saying I've never read the Dacian books, but now I'm realizing I've read half the Dacian books. Yeah, well, okay. exactly. There's only two of them. Okay, okay. so in this one... Um, Caspian, so it's really interesting. Mercio is mentioned in the first one. And basically the reason that, that Trahan is after Caspian, the reason he leaves Dacia as an assassin is he has to go hunt and kill Caspian because Caspian has come into Dacia and like he and Mercio basically like had an orgy like all the way through town and back again. And then Caspian left. And once you enter Dacia, you're not supposed to leave again, right? So he like snuck in and out and like broke curfew. And Caspian thought, I think Mercio would protect him, but Mercio was not able to. So at well, the end- Well, it's less not able to and like doesn't seem yeah. to- Doesn't seem that worried about it. Yeah, like he's like, don't worry. Well, one, yeah, it's, he didn't. I mean, like this, when we say it's a Christmas novella, it's because things move at warp speed and like any emotional tension is just like really quickly resolved, right? Yep. Um, so what happens is at the end of Shadow's Claim, Caspian essentially defeats Right, only officially defeats Trahan because Trahan like essentially like renounces his crown and renounces the win and is like fuck it, I'm out of here because I'm tired. She like stopped yeah, my he heart. Yells, right, I renounce you. Yeah, I yeah. And I you. was, I don't often want to put a heroine in cold storage, but I was like that was fucked up, Bettina. Anyway, I mean, um, same, same. Yeah, right. And she doesn't really grovel great. No, not at all. Right. And um, what happens is. Caspian is furious, right? He's like, you took my, you know, it's better, essentially, like, it would be better to die a glorious death than live with the shame of the way that played out, right? Like, you, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a loser. I'm a loser now. And the only way I can get my sort of powers back is I'm going to go to this other realm, which is like a realm of eternal wars, the plane of lost uh, years the plane of lost years where time moves at, at literally a different speed and I'm just going to fight and fight and fight and win my fortune and like that's going to be the way I essentially like get it back. Mm-hmm. And even though he's only gone for a few weeks in a bad time, he was there for 500 years. Mm-hmm. So when he comes back, he's a superstar. He's right. He's now has 5 centuries on Mercio, right? Mercio is um you know, still a young man of 30 and, and, you know, Caspian is now 500 and change and battle hardened and, you know, so they meet up again and it turns out Mercio 
knew all along or suspected all along that Caspian was his mate, but because his heart was still beating, he he wasn't fully immortal, right? Yeah, he couldn't there's a go loophole, a matehood yes. loophole. Yeah, if, if you, you meet, meet your mate before you turn immortal and your heart stops, your heart still stops. Can't Yeah, right. You can't you can't be blooded when your heart is still going. Right. And Hag so, comes back. Valerie's involved. Valerie, yes, for, which is Valerie great. throws the stones or the dice right. or whatever and says, you've already met him, your mate. Yes. Yeah. And so Caspian uh, uses the scry crystal, goes to find him and like is blooded. And they have to like figure it out together. I mean, it is sort of magnificent. That scene, the blooding scene where Caspian walks or not Caspian. Um, yeah. Mercia walks into the bar and he thinks that he's he thinks he's caught Caspian before he's gone to the plane yes. of lost years. And yes. so he's like and he sees him and he smells him and he's like, oh, shit, like my heart isn't like I haven't been blooded. Um, yeah. And then he's like, what is happening? Because I'm so attracted to him. And then he ultimately is blooded in that scene and he sort of has this moment of being just like happy like oh yeah I think he even says like thank gods for this like at at least I got this I got this person whom I love more than anything who is not just my friend but now also like my partner forever yeah well, um, and it turns out that they had had a, they had had like a sexual experience before. I feel like we are um, we are cheated a little bit on that sexual experience because oh, yeah. like it sort of they kiss and then the nymphs leave and then like the door closes and then like two minutes later, like two chapter or two pages later, it's like uh, he came in his pants and I was like, wait, he did? Like I didn't yeah, see like, that. We, that didn't happen. <laughs> right, Cressley. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's just a side note. But the um, that scene in the bar where and then he says, like, he sort of doesn't want to tell him, like, I'm I'm like, you're my mate. Like, I'm yeah. blooded me. He wants he's like being clever and funny and like and and sly. And then Caspian's like, I've been gone for 500 years. Years. Yeah. And I haven't thought about you, which is, of course, a lie. But the. But the moment, it's so jarring because Mercio, here's Mercio, like, thinking, like, everything's going to come up roses for us. Right. Like, because I'm a prince of Dacia. You can come back. Like, we can reign together. Everything's going to be great. We're going to do it all the time. Yeah. And suddenly, like, oh, shit, you're 500 years older than you were. Yeah. It's a really inter- it's a really sound internal conflict, I think. I th- I yes and no. I think I think part of the conflict for Caspian was like those 500 years he was like I'm going to come back and I'm going to like find my mate and we're going to have kids and a family and I'll be able to afford that no, and I'll he's going to like- kill Trayon. Because he doesn't, he wasn't yeah, strong sure. enough before, right? Right. I mean, but then he's gonna like yeah, wanting to have kids is a big part of yeah, it. Yeah. Right? I mean, okay. Look, there's a big problem here that we should talk yep. about, which is the plot of this book is gay for you. Uh oh yeah yeah. So Mercio is bisexual. <laughs> yep. I mean, I, he's sort of pansexual. Yeah. He's basically like he's yeah. relaxed and groovy. Um the but um Caspian is a like I'm not into dudes guy. at all. At all, yeah. ever. 
I also I and would like gay to for you is a problem. Real, it's a problematic like to, plot. Yes, it is, and I would like to push past that even to tell you what else I think can be a problem. I have noticed. I'm gonna like now talk about a pattern, which is um, in a series where one of the books ends up being gay, like male male mm. First of all, it's almost always a novella. Like, it never gets, like, the full treatment from the author. Well, that's not 100% fair here. Because no, I, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean just, like, I'm just saying. She self-published like, this. Sure. Which is a choice. Yeah, I mean, it course. says a lot about. Her, her determination. Her to determination it, right? to get this on the page. Right. Here's my other, like, even, like, we could even erase that. Like, that's not even actually my main point. That's, like, a, a small thing, a stepping stone to what I really worry about. It's just kind of related to gay for you, which is it sometimes in this in like a this is what makes me uncomfortable. The setup then becomes that there is like an older, wiser gay man who like brings into the full. Then there's like a younger virginal one. And that whole setup, like like one of them's a virgin and one of them's going to like claim or dominate him. And like virginity is like a trope in a, in a gay uh, couple's like life. Like all of that feels like it's trying to force like a, like a straight trope. Yeah, it's heteronormative. A, yes. Is that yes, what you're thank looking you. for? That is the word I'm looking for. And the way that like, so the aging up of Caspian didn't really, was like cool and interesting, except that then Mercio, who has fucked his way through 10 years of everybody and never has a partner twice, is all of a sudden labeled a virgin because he's never let any man fuck him in the ass. And I was like, come on. Like, he's not sexually innocent. And I don't understand why that's like the 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 framing that's going on here. Yeah. And I don't know. A lot of it, I didn't, I don't know. And I've seen this before in other... Yeah. I mean, look, this is what happens. This is what happens, right? There's... I'm I'm, I'm stuck on this because I think Cressley is trying to do a thing here. Um, I love the scene where they go back to Lothair. Yes. And Lothair's Absolutely. like, fuck no, I'm not approving this marriage. And right. everybody, or this maidhood, or whatever it is. Right, and. Yeah. And uh, everyone's like, and everyone is like, what? And he's like, what? Yes. not because they're gay, because he's a demon. demon. Like, absolutely right. not. And I sort yeah. of, like, I love that moment. I, it's like, it's a moment that I remember from my first time reading this book that I like, it, where it's another moment where you just love Lothair because he's so great as a character. Yeah. You can, and I, and look, the sex piece is challenging. I get, yeah. I mean, like. I don't know. I mean, like, I think this virginity, I like, it's hard because it's like, virginity is such a tricky subject in romance. Like, it almost feels like there always has to be, I mean, there's such a demand for there to be a student and a teacher. And it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't actually, like, in this particular book, right, there's, I mean, there there are multiple ways of virginity. Like there yeah. there are multiple. It's a, like they're both virgins in different, like articulated as virgins in different ways. I can I totally understand why that's problematic. 
Um, and I don't, I don't know what to say about it. Yeah. Except to I say, like, this was written at a time, you know, now I, I'm just grateful that now we have own voices, queer yeah. books. Yes. Because I think, that's, like, yeah, now that's we're starting to too. see, like, how queer people write, write queer their romance. own lives. Right. Well, um, and that's, I think, the part, there were parts in this I, and meanwhile, I still like this book a lot better, <laughs> believe it or not. I mean, I liked, um... I like Mercio as a character. I like that Caspian, like, those 500 years don't just make him battle-hardened, but they make him a little bit wiser. Um, I like that Caspian points out to Mercio a bunch of times that the way he tries to control Cosmina is not cool. Um, You know, I really liked that when he said, I want a family, and how are we going to do that, that Mercio was really like, okay, that's, that's real. Like, let's talk about that. And the line actually that I liked is because it, it's like about like your demon seal, right? Which is about seed. And, and Mercy was like, it's because we will be closer connected, right? Like your seed and my blood. It's not about procreation, right? Mm-hmm. So some of that stuff I think like really did work for me, right? But like at the bottom of it, at the core of it, I just kept thinking like gay for you is not uh, it's, good. I mean, it's not great. And it's not, and it, look, but there was also a time, like, this is another one of those moments where you're like, oh, it's of a time, right? Like, Gay For You was yeah. the plot of every, every. single oh, male, yeah. male book there was for a bunch of years there. Yeah. And now I think we're in a better place, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, I like Mercio a lot. He's Lothair without the trauma. Right. Yeah. Um. Which is fun to watch. Uh, sure. Caspian never 100% works for me. Me um, neither, really. Because I think he's such a whiny baby through the first book. Um, and, and in this book, kind of still sometimes a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, he didn't work, ironically, he didn't work for me the last time either. Mm, interesting. So, but I didn't even know that he was you a did. whiny baby in the first book. <laughs> I yeah. just think it's, I think it's tricky, right? Because I think it's, this is a good example. It's one of those, I was thinking about this from a craft perspective, right? Like, you can turn a villain around pretty easily. I mean, many, many, many romance novelists do this as a matter yeah. of course. Like, there's a villain and then suddenly he becomes a hero. It's really hard to turn around a, a hero who's like a milksop, yeah. you know? <laughs> right. And, that's, and you didn't even know that about him, which is fascinating. Yeah. Right? No, he's just sort of, yeah, I, he's 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 kind of a whiny baby. But also I think part of that is, um, I, anytime, like, again, it goes back to gay for you as a plot. Because, like, anytime a, hero, a hero is like, no, I would never touch another penis. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Sexuality is a spectrum, dude. Like, yeah. Get well, on the, get I, on the Kinsey scale. Yeah. I think the thing too that I struggled with with Caspian in this book, although there were things I liked, right? Um which surprised me cuz in the first book I was like I cannot stand him. Um I was bothered by the fact that he was constantly throwing Mercio's um promiscuity in his face, but never able to say like I was doing the same thing. Yeah, like, they yeah, literally yeah. met as like orgy buddies. And yet somehow, right? Well, the theory is, like, then he had 500 years where he didn't. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, also... I love celibacy, too. And this was 500 yeah. years of celibacy. Yeah. And, like, 
that it's what's interesting here is so there's this rule this sort of like unwritten rule in romance novels that like once the hero and the heroine meet um he can't have sex with anyone else like yeah on the page or otherwise um and so what it ends up doing, i love a celibate hero because i love the idea that like they met and he was so moved by her that like he just couldn't for yeah you know however long and that happens here. Like, I do like the way that Cressley sort of takes – and, I mean, this is not – it's not like Cressley in, invented this. But, like, I like the way that she takes all these sort of, like, tropes, these sort of hetero, hetero tropes, and he, she, like, recreates them queer. But I don't love the sex part being so heteronormative. Right. And, well, I mean, and I just that's... don't like gay for you. I just don't. Like, I don't no. like it as a plot. No. No. Because um, well, I also don't believe it. Like honestly, like you're yeah. na- you've never in your life right. looked at another all those male orgies, and you never and, like, like said, "Hey, that guy is really good looking." Yeah, I just came from the photo shoot for my next book, and like empirically, like good looking people are good looking, dude. Yeah, right. It's you know what it's what I think is interesting about one of the things that you said we should talk about was. Um, like a spin-off series. Ah, uh, yeah. And whether or not we think this qualifies. Uh, I don't think so. I don't I don't think this is a spin-off series. I think this is it's too close to the lore. Like there's too much. It's like um <clears throat> if you think about spin-offs, right? Like there's like Happy Days is a spin-off of Help Me. Do you know this? Happy Days yes. is a spin-off of like the restaurant something yeah if eric were here he would know um anyway there's like if you think about the way tv shows spin off they they literally spin off like and there's nobody there's a whole new cast of characters right and there's maybe one character who like it's frazier and cheers right frazier spins off into seattle and like yeah he lives with that's it right weird brother and his dad and they're was she a maid? That's a weird dynamic. But whatever, Daphne. Yeah. And, like, we never really interact with Cheers. Like, maybe once a season, like, Norm comes to visit, right? Right, <laughs> right. This is too embedded in the lore. There's mention of the accession. There's... Yeah. Nix is there. Lothair... I mean, Lothair is there constantly. Sure. Right? He yeah. lurks there. Um, We know, like, we already... We know all the rules for demons are involved. Like... I, if this right. were a true spinoff series, it would be you in, could read it independently. Yeah. yeah well, also it's it would be set in Dacia. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> it would be. Right. It would be separated. And truthfully, right. we don't see much of Dacia at all. No, because Dacia's boring and there's nobody there. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I mean, there's just like the one person from each house. No, honest to God, this is. A group of marketing people going, Lothair was so popular. How do we? Yeah. Like, what do we do? How do we separate out these books that will have Lothair in them? Yeah. And so they did. And I actually think um, it's, I think it's too bad. Because I actually, I think a lot of people like me just were like, I can't, I cannot do another series. Right. You know, like, I'm just going to be an IAD fan. Yeah. And I mean, I, I look. I've, I'm on the record now of saying, like, I actually, really, I really like these books. Um, you know, they do their problems. Absolutely. Would those problems be solved by more rune? Yes. 
<laughs> I don't know how, but they would be. You're like, fine. More rune, please. That was like the name of the castle in Shadow's Plane. And I was <gasps> I like, oh, I was really interested in that. Like, what was going on there? I know runes involved. Runes involved. There you go. So Sarah was no wonder you loved it. He's everywhere. Yeah, I um, no, I loved it. Look, is it? Yeah, we have. I realized I haven't updated my ID spreadsheet for a long time. I know I haven't either. But like, look, is are Caspian and Mercio and Trehan and uh, Bettina going to be like top top? seated yeah. no they are absolutely not but there is i say it all the time about other people like the worst cressley cole book is better than like 95 percent sure. of other reading experiences for me um this was not the worst for me um and i really i mean like it i felt like i was visiting an old friend like i was so happy to be reading a book by her that i haven't read before and i think after this ironically like I don't know if you're, I mean, this is a good question. Do you feel like you're going to, like, you're you're done with Cressley for a while? Oh, you mean, like, after the podcast? Like, will you do a reread? I reread, I still re I reread the Game Makers a lot. Yeah. I do find it harder to reread IAD just because it's. You're talking to me. I mean, Sweet right? Ruin, I've read it a I thousand know. times. I am often a scene rereader, but I don't think I could scene reread these books. I reread the whole book. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's just more of a commitment. I think I am. We are not. Do not. Do not add us. We are not doing a podcast on it. But I think um, actually once this is over, I'm going to England in a couple of weeks. And I think I'm going to bring the Arcana Chronicles with me um, and do that. And see, I am not interested because I. Because you want your books to be sexy. Oh, I hear they're plenty sexy. <laughs> I'm okay. like, yeah, it's well, not that. I um, I don't like a love triangle. Like, not interested. I don't like first person present. It's just got, like, everything going against it for me. Yep. Fair enough. Yeah. And well, also, I'll why any kind of YA reading for me feels like work. Yeah, well. You know what I mean? Sure. And so it just kind of goes into a different part of my brain. Well, I will report back either way. Yeah, good. Maybe I'll just, maybe it'll be emergency books, though. Like, there are books, don't you, aren't there books you keep? Well, I mean, it's right? really like, funny because I don't know how, I think I just, like, checked out on the idea of reading the Dacians. And yeah, when I was reading this, I was on vacation. I was in Charleston, and I was, like, in the hotel room. And my sister was, like, uh, happy birthday to my sister, who turned 50 in Charleston when we were there. Um, and my sister was, like, um we're here for my birthday are we going out like should we go do a thing let's go look at a thing let's go eat some food let's go you know do whatever charleston has to offer and i was like well we could or i could just lay on this bed and read this book by my favorite author you know like (laughs) yeah right sure it's like a gift right and it was great so yeah i am happy that that was your experience it was it was. And I'm sorry that you did not have that experience, but one of us has to be wrong. It'll be me. Fine. Yeah, it's fine. I, it's fine. Um, so this is Faded Mates. Uh, we are one episode away from the end of IAD, you guys. It has been a ride. Um, Wicked Abyss is next in two weeks. Uh, Cian and Lila are with us. It's the best. I'm not. I'm not lying. It is the best Beauty and the Beast retelling I've ever read. <laughs> it's really good. It is really bananas. Um, yeah. 
horns everywhere. Kate Claiborne read the whole thing through her fingers. <laughs> and uh, it's great. So it is great. find us again in two weeks for um, Wicked Abyss. Next week we'll have an interstitial episode. Find us on Twitter at Fatamates, on Instagram at FatamatesPod. Like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And then when we start season two, you will be notified when we start season two. But we're starting season two in September. So, and we have a little, we have a couple little surprises uh, up our sleeve for you uh, between now and when season two starts. So we'll drop some, we'll drop some fun joy into your uh, ear holes between now and then. We love you guys. We'll see you in next week. a really random recommendation please if you if if you like the part of shadows claim where bettina is creating if you're like interested in that a really great literary novel lit fic was a book called the animators by kayla ray whitaker i think and it's these two women who are creating like comics together or or, like film maybe it's like animation animators and it's like like, that book, I think, will have ruined me forever for, like, what it's really like to, like, be in the mind of an artist. Mm. And I think it's why I was like, I see what Cressley was trying to do, but it wasn't as good as the animators. So if you like that part of that book, right? Like, her, like, being in her studio and creating, you might love the animators. It is not a romance. And I, you know, it's, like, sad because it's lit thick. But it was really, really good.